building ad tech solutions to better the industry for all. That's what we're talking about on this week's episode of Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied with me, Ariel Nissenblatt. And me, Brian Barletta. Thanks to Podsites for sponsoring this week's episode. Podsites, podcast advertising insights and attribution built for advertisers, loved by publishers. Go to podsites.com for more information. Special thanks to these sponsors for making Sounds Profitable possible. Check them out by going to soundsprofitable.com and clicking on their logos in the articles. Okay, Brian, welcome to the show. There is a lot going on in the podcast world this week. There's more from Spotify. There's so much going on all the time, it feels like. And I feel like the best way to keep up with that is to listen to the download. Just a quick plug for the download. Tell us about the download and where folks can find it and what is new this week from the download. Yeah. So the download is my love letter to the industry. It's a way to say to all the people that I talk to every week, every month, they say, what's new? What's going on? What did I miss? What do I need to know? And it's a way to provide that in 10 minutes or less aimed specifically at the podcast business side of the industry. And we try and find the best news in podcasting. We use pod news a lot for that. Shout out to James for all the support there. Um, But we try and get further than that. Anything that affects the business of advertising, the business of podcast production, and we round it up as quickly as possible. We have two new hosts. Very excited for that. We have a writer. We're expanding this. This is the first step forward for Sounds Profitable to be more than just Brian yells into a microphone. Uh, And I'm really excited because this week there's a lot to cover. We cover Spotify's acquisition of pod sites and Chartable. We cover some really interesting movement from talent agents in the podcasting space that we came across through Rain News. And there is so much more information, but we get all that to you, the what and why of it in 10 minutes or less every single Friday at noon Eastern. It always feels like there's so much going on in the podcast space. And this is a really great way to actually be able to say to folks who ask you what's going on that you know what's going on. That's Yeah, it's a great way to stay in touch. And the goal really is to highlight the great work written by other people and point you in the direction of those articles. So you can read the snippet from us or you can hear the snippet in the podcast and then you can go click the full link on there. We subscribe to too many paid <laughs> paid newsletters and paid websites to get the information to make sure that you know what's going on. More things going on in the podcast world. Next week, we will both be at On Air Fest, which is going to be in Brooklyn. So we would love... We would love to know, folks, if you're going to be there, too. Same with Podcast Movement, which is next month in Los Angeles. We'd love to get together and chat shop. And we would love to get together and talk shop. I don't think chat shop is a thing. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Uh, Well, the cool thing here is that I don't think Ariel and I are uh, completely booked up on anything there. I think we're doing a little bit of speaking at some of these events, but most of it Our goal is to really interact with the community. So if you want to talk to Ariel about earbuds, Squadcast, or Sounds Profitable, you can find her. Um, She sounds exactly like she sounds in this podcast. Um, Perfect. Identical. You You don't know that. We've never met in person. I haven't. We get to meet in person next week. That's so cool. (laughs) Um, And and I look exactly like I sound. My voice could be completely different. (laughs) Great, great effects you got there on that microphone. Ian's a (laughs) wizard, huh? Um, But yeah, I I really mean it. I love talking about this stuff. I know Ariel does too. Uh, Podcasting is a a passion for us. I, I really want all of you to know that Ariel and I nonstop are talking about podcasting to each other, about bettering the space. So that means that we want you to just come up and talk to us, right? I mean, obviously, let us finish whatever sentence we're in and then interrupt and just be like, hey, let's talk nerd stuff. We're all happy to do that. But please don't be shy. Come up and talk at any point. We'd love to meet you. We care about this industry potentially to a fault, but it is what it is. 
<laughs> yeah, potentially. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Brian, let's get to today's episode of Sounds Profitable Ad Tech Applied. We're going to meet Sean Howard, who is the founder of many things. But today we're going to talk about his work with Flight Path. He's also the founder of Fable and Folly, which is an audio fiction network. Sean's story is really cool because he saw a need for something in the podcast ad tech space, and then he went out to build it, even though he didn't start out with the skills needed to build it. And so you get into that a little bit, which I thought was super cool. Sean's story and the story of Flight Path is one of collaboration over competition, which I am a big fan of. You should listen in for inspiration on that front. He saw an issue plaguing his company, and then he set out to solve it, not just for his own work, but for the industry on the whole. So, Brian, let's get into the interview. Take us there. Tell us a little bit about Sean and then introduce us. Absolutely. So this is Sean Howard. He is the founder of Flight Path. Like Ariel said, he is a huge advocate for this industry. He is a leading voice in the audio drama space. And he is someone who has beat his head against the wall, trying to get pieces of technology to work like he needed instead of like they were built by engineers. I'm very, very excited for you to listen to this awesome interview with me and Sean Howard, the founder of Flight Path. Sean Howard from Flight Path. Welcome to the Sounds Profitable podcast. How are you doing? Thanks, Brian. I'm doing I'm doing great. And uh, it's nice to be here. Can you tell... Everyone says that. Like, everyone gives, like, the lamest <laughs> response to that quote. You know what I mean? Like, it's great to be here on your talk show. I mean... Um, this sucks. Yeah. I'm waiting for lunch. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to be on Letterman is what I want, Brian. Okay. <laughs> we'll work on it. Uh, that'll be next. Me and you will both go on Letterman. Well, Sean, uh, today I want to talk about Flight Path and about your experience building it out. So why don't we kick off with you telling us what Flight Path is and then a little bit about you and, and how you came to build Flight Path. Sure. Flight Path is, uh, is a platform to enable uh, podcasts networks and ad representation firms to be able to scale their businesses across DAI platforms. Um, in the shorthand that we sort of use is we want to give superpowers to the ad ops, the sales, and the business and finance teams within these companies. That's that's awesome. And I think that what's really appealing about that is that your experience is that you taught yourself development in the quest for all this because you're a hands-on ad ops person. You've led a company that has focused on running ads using some of these major platforms like Megaphone. I believe you have experience with Omni and AdsWiz and all these yes. platforms here. So you have been the day in, day out trafficker and ad ops person and salesperson and operations person. And then you learn the development to build a better tool to work for your company internally, right? Yeah, I think... Uh so I've been on all sides, right? I've been on the buying side in the seven figures. I've, I've been on the running a, a network that I'm trying to scale that, that sells podcast advertising. And I was hands-on doing some of the ad ops and trafficking. But um, my head of ad ops that I brought on, thank heaven for them, Russ Moore, I just saw the challenges that we were suddenly facing and the growing challenges as we move from one platform to another. And so I was just solving things that were our problems in the background, right? I was... And so I was just finding different ways to use automation, different ways to use the APIs to allow us to be able to scale the operation without having to hire a new... Like It was almost like I brought on a head of ad ops and I almost have to immediately hire another ad ops person yeah. within months, right? Because we're, we're scaling and, and it's just too much work. And it's not because it was a lot of work. It was just a lot of ridiculous work, right? Stuff that we don't need to be worrying about. 
But on the buying side, I started to experience, you know, all the make goods that would happen. Like we, we would, we would sometimes have a campaign that would be as high as 10 or 15% on make goods because, you know, everything from it didn't drop or it wasn't flighted correctly to there was no attribution code to go on and on and on. Or they just had to push it because they're in a make good. Right. They're in a make good slide down the hill. Right. Cause something else has failed and now they're pushing everything, which, and so there was this moment where I realized we have some of the lowest make goods in the industry. I think we had two make goods last year total for fable and folly, right? For fable and folly, our network. And so I started, that's the moment I think where I was like, Oh, you know, these tools that we've been building, um, there's really nothing out there to do that or to help ad ops. Um, yeah, because all of these platforms have the sales capabilities that, I mean, the sellers are out there selling what you can do. I, re- I remember working at a company, AdTheron, um, the Barometrics split off from, and there was a campaign where it was 300 orders. I think it was for like Mazda or something. And at the top level, what was sold was super reasonable. It was like very specific geo-targeting, executed a certain way, granularly targeted. But it was like three pieces of tech that all independently could do what they said. But when you tried to get them to interact, it couldn't. So a poor individual had to go through and it was probably about 15 minutes per order to set up because they had to double check it. And the worst part about it is you're copy and pasting from an Excel spreadsheet 300 times. The the amount of times I copy and paste something and go to paste and it's just like, oh, that super wasn't what I meant to paste. Imagine that on an ad op scale. And so... What's really exciting here about FlightPath, and, and as we dig into it more, is that like it solved your problem, which these platforms don't do. And it's not because of like any negative reason. It's really because it's built by developers. It's not built by the people who are using it day in and day out. They built custom features for themselves to their very specific needs. They're not the primary users of it. And so thanks to a movement, it feels like maybe 10 or 15 years ago, where most platforms went API heavy, which means that their entire front end is built off of a publicly or, you know, key-based accessible API. Mm -hmm. That means that Sean was able to take with Megaphone and build his own front end working exactly how he wanted using the API to make shortcuts that really just pulled everything together and double-checked what he needed. Yeah. I think the realization is sort of, I've yet to meet an ad ops team that's not operating like out of the 1980s off of printed out spreadsheets. Yeah. It's they're so big they can't even be on a screen it's it's um it's just crazy out there and i think i'm very grateful to megaphone where we we started this journey because they have a great api um and that sort of started this but then it started to also occur to me that i want to work with shows and represent shows that maybe aren't on i don't have to host and and i was like why can't i do that and, and, you know, at first I was like, oh, well, how do I manage it? And we need to be able to prom- answer our promises. And I was like, well, w- why not just, why not just use the tools we're building and, uh, and let's API into whatever platform them they are on. And then we could manage them directly using the interface, right? That works for our app. And that's smart because that means that interface is central to your type of client, right? You log into it and it is your interface, your publishers, your advertisers can use whatever they want, but by you using the central tool that can connect through APIs to every hosting platform and eventually even like order management platforms from other systems, you're going to be able to, yeah, you're going to be able to take in 
from anyone and your workflow doesn't have to accommodate both sides anymore, which is the hardest part. As a network, you're taking in every single agency or buyer's unique way of buying, and then you're working with every single publisher's unique way of receiving it. By doing this, you really kind of codify exactly how things are supposed to work so that that one ad ops person, you don't need to immediately hire someone else. That person can scale because it's the same process repeated no matter what. Yeah. I. I think it's important to also remember that like a DAI host is in the business of managing a lot of customers on their platform. They're not in the business of scaling a publishing company. Right. And so I think a lot of companies are realizing that like I had to and realize, oh, we need different tools. But but I think a lot of companies are already moving across multiple platforms, right? Yeah. They're whether it's talking about vast or whether it's talking about whatever. And then right, the complexity just gets it gets crazy. And the fact that, I mean, just simple things that are from an Adams perspective, like I can't, I couldn't find any tool out there that would consistently give alerts to our Adams team of when something's not flighted in advance, right? Like I want to know if there's a problem before yeah. we're in make goods <laughs> or right. And then the next layer was, was projecting performance. We want to know if there's a performance problem before, yeah, right? Even without a lot of data back, like I don't want to spend a lot of time on machine learning. I just want to figure out the the way to do that, which is, I think we're, we're we've had some great success on. What I like about that is that also the alert system in every platform I sign up into, the notifications don't extend past the platform. If I don't have that platform up, I don't see it. I want emails or maybe Slack or maybe if it's severe enough, I want a text message. Heck, give me a robot yeah. phone calling me until I answer. So, <laughs> we don't have that sure, yet. But, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like the flexibility of having that, right? Everybody has their own workflow, but these platforms have to treat themselves like like the self-contained unit and have to build to a wider audience. This isn't a failure on any one platform. These platforms work. And by providing the API, they allow Sean and others to do things like this. And this is kind of what's really exciting here, Sean, because me and you have bonded over this. And I, and I really want to highlight this and compliment you on it. I think me and you have a similar journey in the fact that we both saw a problem in this space and we've taken a risk to go make it our job to fix it. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that, Anybody listening should really take that to heart because in a growing market, if you think you know what's going on, like sometimes your boss or sometimes the leadership or sometimes your peers might not respect that the same way that you do, but maybe you need a new perspective. Maybe you need to talk to someone outside if that's an interesting product or interesting need. And I think there is a lot of room for independent or small companies to solve little tiny needs. We don't need these products that necessarily solve every single thing, but there are so many pain points in podcast advertising and in all of advertising that in in media production too, that people with expertise can come in and solve through consulting, through, you know, actually building a product and providing it as service through everything. Yeah. I think, um, it's we're we're new. Like I was talking, I forget who it was, and I was uh, in the industry, and I was saying, oh, you know, we've been struggling with this for for five years around growth and fiction in in our network, and and they just smiled and said, yeah, but only for five years. And it's just a reminder, right, that we are really this is a nascent industry yeah. still. Like I know we talk about you know growth and and two billion dollars and all this stuff, but we are early. And so uh, what I, it was a really wake up moment. It was actually when I was talking to you, Brian, I was just sitting in my little basement. You know, I had been learning coding for the last year to just solve our problems. I was just, you know, and then I would, I was setting down to work on sort of making it go to that next level when you happen to catch with what <laughs> we were working on. 
but but it was that moment where I hadn't put it together yet. I was just I was just scratching a really painful itch that was you know, it's like it's so painful. It's like that poison oak, you know, and I don't, you know, it just won't go away and uh and I and that I hadn't realized yet that this is prob this is a problem everyone in the industry was feeling. Um and so I think there's a lot of places where that is still the case, right? Across the yeah. board from from creative to insertion to sales to there is so much we haven't figured out. Yeah. And, and that's it. You need to talk to more people. Like even if you work at one specific company, it's okay to talk to your peers or competitors or other people in the space. I don't even super feel like we have as much comp- competition as we believe we do right now because there's so much available inventory left. There's so few advertisers in the grand scheme of things. There's so little spend overall. We are doing great as an industry. We are rocketing forward. But until we get to a point where like it's like failing to deliver a campaign is like catastrophic because there's no more available inventory to spread it into or no other way to make it good like until we're sold out completely we don't we can be friends we can share and we can talk to each other everybody here even if you work at competing companies because you need that peer perspective yeah and here's the sad truth right in our industry sold out right now in our industry is 85 percent yeah <laughs> because no ad ops team in this planet will continue selling after 85 percent, and that's sometimes a shock for the c-suite to learn at an ad at an ad publishing company but the tools where they are right now we're all stopping at 85 percent. so talk about opportunity yeah if someone can move that needle by one percent we're probably talking we're talking a lot of money at a lot of these companies so um there's still a lot of room when the industry is sort of at Oh, 85%. We better stop selling because we're already in make goods. Yeah. You want to make sure that we don't, we don't over, over deliver, right? Or that we have that yeah. bandwidth to make make goods. So, I, and that's one of the key things we're working on, right? We, we realize if we can just, if we can just move that needle by 1%, we think we can move it by five or more that's percent. That's huge. Um, that's just, it's huge. huge. Yeah. And I, what I really like is that you were the operations person who taught himself how to code. Like, I, I always wanted to code. I've always struggled with it, but I like the product management side of it. I think that's a really neat approach. And and I do encourage as many people as possible to do that. But I want to talk one second to the, the developers, right? Like, let's flip that around. There are so many smart developers in this space that are kind of stuck in a closet building what they have and not they're never told like, hey, go check out the platform, which maybe you don't need to be told. Maybe you should go do it yourself. Maybe you should become a user of your own product and understand that workflow. Everybody should have a podcast, even if it's just you and your kid and you never put it out anywhere. Everybody in the space should. But what was what would be your advice for how someone in a development role could gain experience enough to better their own product like you're building this product out? I think it's hard to just go out and and get the experience because like let's say like let's say I was building this I was doing this and then I was like oh I'll launch a podcast and I'll sell some ads like it's really easy for me to think oh I'm only going to have 3 campaigns under a under a under an advertiser so this works great you know the uh, until you're in a situation where you've got an ad ops team that has 120 active campaigns, yeah. each with an insane number of complicated orders that you start to realize, oh, the way I built this interface is not overly helpful for an ad ops team, but it's fine for a small, you know, a small shop. So um, I highly recommend, I just come from the innovation in the UX space. So I highly recommend getting this in front of actual customers, like actual like different tiers, like if like of different levels to say, where are the pain points, right? Because 
identifying a pain point and then being able to solve it is massive value. Like that's where well, you probably know in the product side, that's where value yeah. comes from that we can monetize, right? But we need to know what's really a pain point and what's just an annoyance or what's fine. Yeah. Um, and I think the only way to do that is to get more people involved, which is why I'm so focused on getting into a, a you know, we're, we're putting together a lighthouse beta program because I want to get, you know, I want to learn where we're failing and I want to learn where the real opportunities are. Yeah. Right. With what we had in mind, right. Where it's not going to be a match. Yeah. I, um, and so what I take from that is that every engineer, every product manager building out this type of technology, pick your most active clients, figure out what are their like worst days, the highest volume. Like let's get right before black Friday. Let's get right before the holidays and shadow them. Shut your computer down shut your email off, be unavailable yeah. for one or two days and just sit with them, whether in person, screen share, I don't care, but watch it, take notes, record it and let them talk candidly, maybe not record it if they're going to talk candidly, um, because the hardest part there is that they're going to guard themselves over what is annoyance versus what is a problem. You're going to have to work with them to get that out of them because they don't know what they can ask for. They've been, a lot of them in the operations roles have just been told this is what it is and it's not going to work because unfortunately some of these companies don't see fixing these as monetarily valuable. What they don't realize is this is what wins customers. This is what keeps customers. This is what allows future innovation. Because if we are not spending five people running ad ops when it only needs to be one or two, we can develop better things to sell, to produce, to drive more revenue, to get more downloads, to get more uh, impressions. And that's I think that's really the killer takeaway. Yeah, I think doing a work along like on a Zoom is totally powerful because you will see the moments, right, of frustration or ugh, annoyance. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I think is a mistake that's made is we wait too long. Yeah. Right. So, uh, you know, let's say we have an idea and we've got it boarded and we're working on it and we're, we've got some, we're already running into decisions we have to make early, right. That are, that are shifting the product or what we want to do, like getting that in front of clients. Like uh, if you put a client down and you say, who's using your software and like, they know how it works now and you can just show them boards and walk them through a story. Um, and then ask them questions. It, at first, in, in my experience working in the innovation space, at first, you know, uh, you know, engineers and whatever, like, oh no, they can't have. But then what happens is when we get the engineers to the table and they actually start talking to an ad ops person or a salesperson and they start to, they get excited yeah. because they're now solving problems and they, they're understanding constraints differently, 100%. right? Um, and it, it can be really powerful. Yeah. So. I want to end this with Sean has built something very cool. I'm such a fan of it. Sean started tweeting about it. I blasted out everywhere. I tell everybody about it because to me, it's so exciting that someone said, I have a problem. I'm solving it for my team. Now I want to apply it to everyone. And Sean was recently at Pacific Content. He still works full-time at Fable and Fall, and he's doing this full-time with FlightPath. Everyone should reach out to Sean for a demo of this. This works with any platform with an API and he wants your feedback. He has worked in the situations that you're frustrated in and anybody else who has an idea like this, this is a call to action. <clears throat> this is, this is the time where you say, I have an idea. There are needs in this space. You should take example from what Sean doing and heck talk to him as a peer because I'm positive yeah. that Sean can say, yeah, I've had that problem. Let me introduce you to some people. Everybody here wants everyone to grow. So let's collaborate and, and please reach out to Sean. Thanks, Brian. 
Welcome back, listeners. If you're a longtime Sounds Profitable reader or listener, you may find that this interview harkens back to the themes in our July 2021 article called Buying Versus Building Unique Ad Tech, which we will include in the show notes of this episode. Brian, how for you does that square with this article? Because it's kind of arguing the opposite. Sean built rather than bought, but he's making his product available to use for others. (laughs) You know, that that is one way to look at it. And I don't think it's the wrong way because he is now building a product to solve his problems. But Sean bought a product, right? He bought access to the megaphone platform that did not fit his specific needs. So he is now building his own solution. And I don't think that that's a bad way. He got his network started on megaphone. The tools worked enough that he was able to build it and grow it. And he found a problem that they couldn't solve for him, that there was no other solution for. So he went to build it. And I think that's the right mindset, the right time to build something. APIs can only take you so far. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Brian, I have a few questions for you to contextualize this interview for our lovely listeners. Are you ready for them? I am ready. So first, I would like for you to break it down for us. How does FlightPath simplify all of the ad tech buying and selling processes for folks in this industry? How can FlightPath do that? Yeah, so Sean built a front end that's focused on using the operational flows that he feels works best for his ad ops and his operation team. And as he's been talking to more and more people in the industry, it's very clear that those are the same flows that major companies in podcasting are following. And the platforms, all the hosting platforms, this isn't a knock at Megaphone. That's just the platform he's using and building off of here. It's the fact that these were built for an original purpose. They've been modified and updated, but they still don't fit the flow of the day-to-day user. So Sean, using the API, was able to build his own front end, add his own process in there, and allow his process to just send over and pull back in information that it needs from Megaphone so that it can operate exactly how he wants in FlightPath and give Megaphone what it needs to drive forward the campaign, the show, the reporting, all of that information appropriately. So it's a translation layer to make sure that his front end and Megaphone can connect and both sides can get what they need to work appropriately. Communicate, yeah. Yeah. And the cool part about this is that Sean has a real-world application for this because he's the founder of Fable and Folly. They have a lot of shows on their network. And on those shows, they're buying and selling ads, and they're making sure that those ads are running in the right places and that they're delivering for their ad partners. Yeah, a great example that Sean walked me through was the process and the length of time it would take. Let's say he has 100 shows or 99 shows and he adds a new one. He's got this process where every show creates a promo of their show that gets put live as a promo on all the other shows. And then the promos from all the other shows are made available on his show. So when when that one new show goes live, one ad is added to 99 campaigns and 100 ads are added to one campaign. And then every time a new show is added, that is increased and increased and increased. It's a lot of manual work. There's no reason the Megaphone platform should have been built to do that specific thing. That was one of the first pain points he solved. And he did that by using the API to build a front end that said, add a new show, here's their file, and it automatically made all of the requests he knew it needed to make that happen in a few minutes rather than potentially an hour or more of work. So that's what's really cool about this. It it allows both systems to talk and it allows him to go about his work in an efficient way for what he needs. And I'm just a big fan of cross promos in general. There was some interesting discourse on Twitter 
this week about whether what's the best way to grow a show. And it really is getting promos for your show in front of audiences of other shows that might have similar listeners. And really that process that you just described is taking that to heart and getting those promos on and getting those promos in front of other shows that might be interested. So if there's a technology to do that, that is what we need. Yeah. Quick advice to the Twitter podcast community. We need to cut out the negativity around anybody else's ideas. We don't know everything. I don't know everything. You will never hear me definitively talk about anything. My goal, honestly, is to give you my opinion and see how you experiment with it. See how I experiment with it. There's no reason to put anybody else's ideas down. You can share your experience and let people learn from that. But we got to cut it out, right? We haven't cracked marketing. We haven't cracked advertising. We haven't cracked growth. We're still all figuring this out because I promise you there would be bigger names to talk about than the ones we talk about if someone had cracked it and magically got to the top of the charts. Yeah, you'll hear me say I'm a big fan of something. You'll never hear me say this is the only way. This is the silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. Only give air to the fires that you want to grow. That's it. Let's just be nice to each other yep. on the internet. I agree. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I, this is a bit of a tangent, <laughs> but I think for the most part, the Twitter community, the podcast community all over the internet is yes. so lovely to each other. Everybody's extremely collaborative. Everybody wants to work together. But yeah, let's just continue to send positive vibes in each other's directions. I agree. <laughs> okay, so Brian, super cool that Sean taught himself to code. I love yeah. that for him. Yeah, I, I always wanted to be like, I've been a tech nerd since I was young and I've never learned to code. I've always wanted to. I just don't have the, I don't know, I don't have it in me. And so when I see someone who gets operations, gets ad ops, learn, it's it's really, really exciting. In the words or in the style of Brian Barletta, you should lock yourself in a room for a weekend and just do it. <laughs> Maybe, I'll, you know what, I'll subject that to you. When, one weekend, <laughs> we'll do that. We'll get some pizza, lock ourselves in a room, and we'll see who opens the door first. And then we can just code. <laughs> yeah. Next takeaway is that we are still very early in this industry. You alluded to this a second ago. We don't have the answers for everything. But the cool part about that is that if you've had a problem for five years, you've only had that problem for five years, as Sean said. And if it hasn't been solved for you, it probably hasn't been solved for most folks in the industry. For creative, for insertion, for sales, we are still chipping away at it. I I could not agree more with that. And it is okay to talk to competitors. I love this notion. I really don't think that there is so much competition because we all really just want each other to grow. We really want to figure out how to get podcasts to more people, how to get listening to more people. Yeah. So uh, the competitors thing, I spend most of my time introducing people who believe that they're competitors or that work for competitive companies together because they have the same idea and we need industry movement to make things happen. We need collective buy-in, right? Our competition isn't from each other. We need to get more advertisers into the space. We need to get more creators in this space. We need to set more standards. There is enough room for us to all go out and pull new people in together and grow the space before we ever are stepping on each other's toes. If we're stepping on each other's toes, it's lazy because we're not looking to grow. We're just looking to to take. Did you hear yourself say rum there? Did I say rum? You said rum. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> you're, we're going to have to do a Twitter poll on it's that, okay. you, whether you, I said it or not. I'm not going to listen to the audio. Nope. I will can, not believe uh, I say rum. You can make fun of my New York accent. <laughs> That's the asshole in me. Yeah. And with that in mind, we need peer perspective from each other. We just do. We can't do it on our own. We need to know what other people think. We need to know what other people are experiencing. 
I completely agree. I think I think that siloed points of view are rough because if you don't know what's happening in the space or with your competitors, you can't grow. You're only going to learn the propaganda from your own company. And that's not podcasting. That's a company specific point of view. Sean mentions that flight path may be able to move the needle by 5% and that that would be huge. How could flight path enable that type of growth, Brian? Yeah, simply by enabling people to have a better control over their inventory. In the article, Sean made a comment about people are only selling about 80, 85% of their total inventory because they can't forecast correctly, because they don't want to over-deliver, because it's not delivering as expected. So if we're able to increase that, by that 5%, if he's able to add efficiencies, able to add the ability to forecast better, to use data in a more actionable way, then that is huge improvement, right? As a show continues to grow, that 5% is a locked percentage, but that what that means in downloads and impressions continues to grow. Sean also recommends real-world testing with customers in order to solve pain points because we as developers, and I say we, but... As the part of the team at Squadcast, I hear about the issues of developers. I'm not on that side of the team, but we are very immune to the issues that might arise from our products because we've created them and we're not testing them in real world circumstances. So we do need real world feedback. And so Sean mentioned that he is creating a beta program and that kind of leads us to your CTA, your call to action at the end of the interview, Brian, which is that. You should talk to Sean. He wants feedback. He wants to collaborate. He wants to help you grow. He wants to help the podcast industry grow. What say you? Yeah, everybody should talk to Sean. <laughs> if you have a problem with your order management flow, if you have any of these things, right, any of these things that he talks about that resonate with you even a little bit, just get a demo. Talk to him. Give him feedback. Work through it with him. Be a peer, potentially an advisor, potentially a client. He needs feedback from people in the industry like him, and he's smart enough to realize that. I do want to shout out something to the Squadcast team because you mentioned what you're doing with Squadcast, the community, the view, building all of that stuff there. The Squadcast team is one of the few people out there that actually has their own podcast that uses their own tool consistently for internal meetings, for recording the show. That's cool. That's why I like Sean. That's why I like Squadcast, because both of you are users of your platform. When I was at Megaphone, when I was at Barometric and now Claritas, there was not a lot of need for us to use it as clients. We had specific reasons to use it, but that was in service of our client. That wasn't to use it in the core function that they would need every day. That piece right there, everything gets lost when you are not a client of the platform you're trying to build. And we should back platforms where the creators of it are also clients. Yeah, we are building ad tech solutions. We're building software solutions to better the industry, not just for ourselves, but for everybody. Exactly. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Brian, thank you so much for having this conversation yeah. with Sean. I learned a lot. I hope other folks did too. And again, please hit us up on social media and at Podcast Movement and at On Air Fest. We would love to chat. Yeah, please. Seriously, I will buy coffee for the first three people that reach out to us at On Air Fest. <laughs> Me and Ariel will go sit down with you. We'll talk about anything and everything in this space. We need to meet more people. We need client feedback. We need to hear what you like, what you don't like, what you need to know that we how can break Brian down for you. So please, rum? please reach yeah. out to us. Important. I, how do I pronounce rum? That's the number one feedback. Please let I us need. know. <laughs> but thank you all so much. If you want to connect or have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us on social media at Sounds Prof News 
at Brian Barletta or at Ari This and That on Twitter or podcast at soundsprofitable.com for email. This show is recorded with Squadcast, my absolute favorite tool for making sure that me and Ariel can communicate through video and audio and record it with no issues at all. We also use this for our product deep dives. The features are fantastic. And if you go to squadcast.fm, there is a free trial. I'd love to hear your experiences with it. Make sure to check out the other two podcasts from Sounds Profitable. Sounds Profitable, the narrated articles, and the download. Thanks to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode.